the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast. We are joined by Nate and Caleb today, and we are going to be talking about one of our favorite things, and that is hunting, and specifically practices that you should be doing leading up to muzzleloader season, which is opening up around the nation. There's some early ones coming soon. Uh, there's later ones in like November. That's when mine is. And so we just want to talk about things you can be doing now to prepare yourself and make sure that this season is a success. So um, let's start off. How are you guys doing today? Like, how's how's the work? I know it's starting to pick up here at muzzleloaders and lots of work to do. So how's, how's all that going? Yeah, there's seasons that are starting like soon <laughs> in in this month and so yeah we've been really just hammering on the phones getting um community members taken care of giving advice where need be and yeah it's been it's been good yeah awesome busy busy everybody's running around doing as much as they can trying to get those orders out the door and oh yeah, yeah. especially when you get board drivers and they all sell <laughs> in like three days yeah. so <laughs> or a day yeah people uh, a lot of our community members were commenting on our youtube video like hey are these in stock it's like well they were in stock <laughs> and then they For sold out hours like, yeah. yeah 48 hours so yep. um yeah so just talking about muzzleloader hunting um you know what are some of the things that that you guys do and recommend doing before like as you're starting to get ready to to go well definitely practice I know this mm-hmm. year's been a little bit difficult because, um, you know, trying to get primers and all that. Mm-hmm. Northwest is uh, percussion cap, so we've had a little easier time out mm-hmm. here. But, yeah, if you've got a muzzleloader tag coming up, you know, just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. It's feel comfortable judging your distances and, yeah. or, you know, have a rangefinder or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like to be dialed. That's a, sure. that's a really good point because I was out archery hunting and – it, I, it never ceases to amaze me that when you're in the woods and you take a look over there, like, oh, that's got to be like, what, 50 yards, mm-hmm. you know, and you go, it's like, it's 30. And so <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely, a, it's a, it's a learned skill to judge distance correctly. Yeah. And it's always good, you know, when you're doing a short range season, like archery or muzzle loading mm-hmm. to have a range finder because the, you know, 10 yards can make a bigger difference oh, yeah. when you're using those short range weapons. For sure. I, I would just say this year is kind of an exception this year and I would say last year is kind of an anomaly, but if you're starting to get all of your muzzleloader stuff now and your season's at the end of September, maybe, you know, that might not be enough time to mm-hmm. get where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And so I understand it might be a little late this year if you're just starting, but yeah, taking the time to practice is a huge thing. People expect, hey, I just bought this gun. I have these muzzleloader bullets and powder and primers, and they don't shoot until the day of the hunt. And then they, like well, well, I miss this big buck. Like what you know, it's your guys's fault for recommending. It's like, you know, black powder takes a lot mm-hmm. of range time because mm-hmm. you never know. A bullet might work for one setup and not work for the other. So yep. it's like you have to put in the time to see how your gun performs, and you need to develop to develop a load that works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the probably the biggest wisdom I can provide. Yeah, and I think that you know, talking about your specific muzzleloader. Yeah everything is different and if you shot center fire or archery or anything that you're going to is involves any kind of precision everything is different you could get the exact same muzzleloader mm-hmm. and they could shoot different bullets differently and mm-hmm. it's important to just get to know your rifle you know and there's certain yeah. loads that we can recommend like you know that are going to work well in a wide variety of muzzleloaders but it's it's no substitute for getting out there getting time on the yeah. range 
and putting that in that 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 work. Yeah. Yeah, without getting too nerdy, I always say that firearms are like people. Everyone's different. Yeah. <laughs> I could buy two different For wolves sure. from the same manufacturer built on the same day or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, muzzle loader or firearm. And, uh, you know, there's just certain things that go into metallurgy and how they're put together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it changes the harmonics of the yeah. barrel and point of impact. And so there's no two are alike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing. I've seen two how choosing the correct bullet can really make a difference mm-hmm. and making sure you put that work in on the front end because that's going to save you a lot of time at the range with the wrong bullets, yeah. you know. Because we've seen that out of a specific muzzleloader, a specific bullet will shoot a one-hole group or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a yep. one-inch group at least. Yep. And then that same bullet out of a different muzzleloader with different powder charges is going to shoot a six-inch group. Mm-hmm. And so it is beneficial to do your research on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a call. You know, we have done a lot of that work for you so there's no reason to go to the range and, and waste a bunch of your time when there's already resources for that yeah, absolutely yeah well my, the biggest if you've chatted with me on the phone um i always tell you if if you talk to 10 different people they'll give you 11 different answers <laughs> so it's that's what's daunting about black powder um advice is because it's like well i don't know where to go i'm more confused looking into it now than i was before i started mm-hmm. and it's it's because that same premise it's like are, is everybody just wrong no, that's what their most accurate load is. That's what they have personally developed for their own gun. Whether or not you have two CVA Wolves or two traditions of Vortec muzzleloaders, you know, your bullet powder primers might be vastly different than yep. your buddies. Absolutely. And they're both going to be hyper accurate for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and in learning uh, your your animals as well, I mm-hmm. think goes into that too, because that's going to affect your bullet choice as well. There's, yeah. And I think you're right, Caleb, that there's a lot of different factors that go into black powder. And I think yeah. that's why it intimidates people a lot of times, but uh, it's, it's really not that difficult when you get into it, when you understand yeah. what you're trying to do and you work with that, you know, Brad, our, our boss, Brad always says, start with the end in mind mm-hmm. and that's going to get you to the right spot faster. So that's always helped me. And, and something piggybacking on what you said, it's like, we can provide you a lot of information on, hey, you should start with this bullet, this powder, this primer. That does not mean that that is going to be your perfect load, mm-hmm. but it's going to get you probably the farthest, you know, for 80%. you. Yeah, it'll get you going in a good direction where it's like from there, once you start learning how your gun performs, how, you know, black powder just works in general, mm-hmm. then you can make educated answers or choices from then on out to make your perfect load yeah yeah i think there's a lot of misinformation and confusion about muzzleloaders out there as well mm-hmm. so you know a lot of people are like oh it's daunting like oh they're yeah. so dangerous mm-hmm. oh, it's like yeah if you take the time to understand what you're doing yeah and, and why you're doing it and how it works it's not that dangerous yeah so if you pay attention yeah. you know and it's like it has the potential to be more dangerous than shooting a center fire because there's more steps in the process mm-hmm. But it if depends on if you reload or not. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. I, yeah. the, I saw the look in your eyes. Like Nate's gonna try and talk about reloading. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it, there's more steps in the process, so uh, it's easier to make a mistake. But if you're paying attention and you do everything correct, if you mark your ramrod, you make sure that it's seated all yeah. the way. Yep. Um, I'd say that's one of the biggest ones because I spent a lot of time at the range the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. doing testing and stuff. And there would be times, you know, especially once you've got a few shots down, even if you're swabbing between shots, it starts to get a little fouled up after five shots without really scrubbing it. Mm-hmm. 
and you get the bullet pushed down. You're like, oh, that feels seated. And then you give it, you know, give it one more push, and you know, it goes down like another half inch or an inch. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, I'm glad I didn't shoot that. That, you know, had the potential to be dangerous. So it's important yeah. to, you know, mark your ramrod and be like, okay, this is this is where a seated load is mm-hmm. with this powder and this bullet mm-hmm. and everything. So yep. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about to you're the animals. So we did a podcast yesterday with Verlin talking about just specifically elk hunting and doing questions about that, how to hunt elk correctly, but really doing your homework on the animal that you're hunting, whether it's mm. whitetail, also the specific area, because deer and elk are going to act differently depending on the state, the even just the county that you might be in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a 338 grain bullet for a squirrel is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that weighs almost as much as the squirrel. <laughs> At, well, what squirrel? You know, afterwards, it's like, there's, I don't know. Just vaporized. Yeah, it. there's no squirrel here. Yeah. Um, and yes, exactly. So really taking the time to learn that. And there's all kinds of resources. Basically, this whole thing is going to tell you to just do research, get on YouTube. Yeah. Um, YouTube is one of my favorite parts of the internet because you're able to go there and learn almost anything. You can learn anything. Absolutely. You could have a full college education just on YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah. Unless it comes to knowing your animals and your unit, then you should just get out and go do it. That's true. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the other, the other side of that coin is there's general practices and then yep. there's specific like micro practices that you get out and you spend time in the woods. Yeah. You know, absolutely. you learn what's going on. So mm-hmm. Onyx, definitely download Onyx, you know, if you're going to be doing that. So I was going to going on to the animals too. And you said different ranges, you know, every state Mm -hmm. is different. Um, like over here in Oregon, you know, deer and elk, um, we have some more wide open spaces because we're out, we're out West. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I know with muzzleloaders, we can only use open sites, but there's going to be a lot of difference between a 50 yard shot and 150 yard shot. If you're taking down an elk at that range, you might require a heavier bullet because a 300 grain will work great, but the farther you get out, you're going to lose a little bit of velocity. So you can make Mm -hmm. that up by having a heavier bullet. So if you're planning on shooting longer range in any state, you know, you're like, oh, should I get the next heaviest bullet Mm -hmm. to help compensate for that velocity lost? So yeah, those are always things that are going through your head. Um, And so knowing your animal and then what, how do the bullets correlate to what range you're shooting that animal and how big the animal is going to be and you know, so on and so forth. It's good to have that rattling around when you're getting ready. Yeah. And there's so many answers to that question. Oh, that we absolutely. Couldn't, we couldn't remotely go over them in yeah. this podcast, but um, we're just trying to give you the things that you should be thinking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got a bunch of guys in customer service that are able to give you that information yeah. in a in a good sense for each of those specific things. So um, you'll give us a call, get on YouTube and do that education. So yeah, you might have been super confident about your hunt before you listen to this podcast, and now we're hoping to try to shake that up a little bit. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. that's, and, and that's like we want to. We want you to be successful. We want you to be successful in yes. a in an ethical way. Yeah. yeah, that you're going to not make a mistake and wound an animal and wish that oh, I wish I would have thought of this before. We're trying to give mm-hmm. you that information pregame. You know, I'd so. only listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the one episode I didn't listen to. <laughs> um and kind of the next step in this is learning your landscape and that's going to be applicable no matter whether you're hunting on a cornfield or if you're hunting backcountry in the middle of nowhere because even if you're on a cornfield you want to learn okay how to where do the deer come in from where are they leaving where are they at these specific times and know where you can best set up how's the wind what's the wind doing Mm -hmm. at this time of day when i'm going to be hunting 
And um, same thing with in the backcountry. You want to be like, okay, this is, you know, right now, this time of year, water is a big thing because there's almost no water. It's been a really dry yeah. summer. Yeah. You know, yeah. the our the Grand Ron River is, is like a Grand Ron Creek bed, as, as Nate usually <laughs> yeah. says. It's not, not much there. So you want to make sure you're looking for, like, water sources, th- where, places where these animals are going to be hanging out so you're not spending – you know, days and days in the total wrong location. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you touched on water because the this year, I mean, you find the water, you're gonna find the animals. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just no water to be found anywhere. A lot of the places that I normally find water this year is just gone. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that that points out to you should be out scouting. You know, you mm-hmm. need yeah. to do your research and not on. This is one that probably not on YouTube. You're gonna find. You got to yeah. go out yep. yourself, yep. put up your trail cams. You know. It's weird because you talk to your buddy and they're like, yeah, I haven't, no, I haven't seen that big, huge elk roaming out there. You know, (laughs) they're not going to tell you. You have to put in your own research because you you can't go out and ask people because they're not going to tell you where they're, the honey spot is or, you know, whatever. So you got to find your own honey spot. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know why you're trying to find honey. I'm trying to find animals, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Got me. Um, And so like the whole kind of theme of this, this is, uh, you know, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And so it's so easy and I'm guilty of it. Even this year with archery season, I didn't put in enough, um, scouting time. Like I, I shot my bow a lot and all that stuff. So I was prepared that way, but I didn't put enough scouting time in. So now I'm kind of behind the eight ball as far as that is. So you gotta have, you have the trifecta of like, you gotta learn your muzzleloader, practice with your muzzleloader. You gotta learn the animals, find out where they're going to be. And you have to learn the landscape. And if you do those three things, you're odds of success grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so definitely make sure you're being prepared um, to have your best chance of success. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and do our blowing smoke segment. Okay. So uh, (laughs) this one is going to be kind of interesting. So I was doing some research and I really enjoy this segment because I get to learn a lot of interesting tidbits and stuff. So the oldest existing black powder firearm in the world is believed to have seen use in blank century. And it's that the 13th, the 15th, or the 11th century. See, it doesn't say when black powder was invented. Yes, because that's different. Because that's, that's different. Because yeah. I'm thinking of... The oldest the oldest black powder firearm in the world. Firearm. Like, in existence currently. See, blowing smoke, I never know what to do because it's like, oh, it's going to be super obvious. Or it's like, oh, it's going to be super obscure and like yeah. the, the least likely. It's Trixie. Trixie I, Hobbit. To be honest, I, I would guess black powder was invented as early as the the 11th century but that's not uh-huh. that's not what it's saying so as far as the firearm i would say i'm gonna i'm just gonna go with so i'll give you i'll give you a tip no black no tips. powder black powder no tips. no 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 no, no. Yeah, you don't have to give us a tip okay all right, tell well. us the tip afterwards <laughs> I'll, put a, I'll, t- I'll tell you i'll give you the tip put afterwards. a pin in yeah put a pin in it because i want to hear it okay yeah you gotta list both answer first then you okay. can tip black us off. powder Sounds good. firearm is believed so it doesn't matter does that is that trying to throw us off <laughs> no it's not <laughs> the general consensus believes this but it was actually i'm gonna say it's as late as the 15th century okay sounds good because i think even though black powder was invented earlier or discovered earlier they were probably still using more melee weapons mm-hmm. or a bow and arrow you know yeah up until so i'm gonna say the 15th century b okay sounds good 15th century um, I believe that black powder was invented in the ninth century. Okay. Um, Could which be. would lead me to believe that we definitely didn't go that many centuries past that without 
creating something destructive because that's, <laughs> that's what we do. Um, so I'm definitely going to go true. with the 11th century. 11th yeah, century? It's probably the cannon. That's going to be my first guess. Okay. But is that a firearm? Is a cannon a firearm? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, well, then, it pro- then you're probably right. It probably is the 11th. <laughs> and, okay, whatever. So, whatever. You're both wrong. It's the 13th. <laughs> really? It's yes. right in the middle. Okay. It's right in the middle. Okay. So... Um, the 15th century, they, we have some guns from that. There, that's when like the wheel lock was invented, mm-hmm. and they, you know you have a lot of uh, you know hand cannon type stuff. Um, a ninth, you're also correct. Ninth century is when uh, black powder was invented nice. in China, and I believe they used it for fireworks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but, that's correct. Um, in the th- 13th century, so it was like 1288. Uh, it was discovered in a Chinese town that the name of I can't pronounce. But it was discovered there, and they believe it was 1288-ish that it was seeing use. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, I'll put a picture of it up on the viewers, and I'll show you guys after, but it's like a mm-hmm. tube. It's literally like a tube yeah. that you hang you, on to. Yeah, and you put the thing. I've yeah. seen it. It's yeah. kind of like a cannon. It literally, it's, a hand, right? it's a hand cannon. It yeah. literally oh, is. Yeah. It's like, just a- <laughs> there's no there's no like vertical grip, or it's just literally mm-hmm. a tube yeah. that you and hang And then they on started to. putting poles on them. Yep. Later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so I was, I thought that was pretty interesting. And now we have so. Roman candles now, which exactly. kind of emulate <laughs> very way, similar. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Yeah, I like. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit there for That's blowing cool. smoke. So, um, so next, kind of going through, you know, now that we're done with a little departure from our topic, <laughs> back to the to the meat of what we're talking about. Um, you know, it's important to have that game plan uh, and yeah. have, you know, it's you conduct all this research. And then it's important to be like, okay, on this day, I'm going to go out here and do this. And that's always a loose plan. Sometimes things don't pan out the way you think they should. Sometimes there's a hunter parked in the spot you wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. That happens to me a lot. Um, and so it's important to have that game plan, though, because if you go out with no plan whatsoever, you're going to be just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You don't know what you're going to be doing, you know, so have that structure in place. I think we've ran into a a pretty big theme is just just plan and prepare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't do it at the last second like, mm-hmm. oh, my hunt's next Monday. I got to get everything ready Should this order a gun from muzzlers.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Overnight it. Yeah. It, yeah, cuz if you're like you said, if you're just going out like, oh, I'm I'll go up in the mountains. I kind of have a rough, rough idea of where the my borders are that I'm supposed to stay in. Yeah, I'll just mm-hmm. traipse out. It's like Oof! Yeah, good yeah. luck. Setting yourself up a haste for failure. Yeah, well, absolutely. You, you can do that, but you're gonna. That's a good way. That's a good thing to do when you're scouting. You know, for sure. When yeah. you're when you're taking your time off work to try and be successful, um, you want to have had all that done pre yeah. pre game. You know, so um, and also like having somebody that is more experienced than you or more experienced at least in the area. Like finding someone that can educate you because self-education is good and important and doable but there's no substitute for finding somebody to walk you through it Mm -hmm. you know and there's there's a lot of people that have have been that for me nate's been that you know coyote hunting and all that kind of stuff so finding people that are able to lead you through that for sure and that doesn't mean they're going to tell you where the the big game is, but <laughs> exactly. help I'll you. Show you what? I'll yeah. show you where not to go. <laughs> exactly. But, but help you, you know, hey, this is how I look for animals. This is how mm-hmm. I scout. This is how I plan. Yeah. Yeah. All good wisdom. Mm-hmm. This is a moose track. Oh, ice cream. Not in Oregon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. have you seen one? <laughs> I have seen a moose I've, in Oregon. There has Two been really? moose. Really? Wow. That's yep. impressive. I'll tell you that story sometime. It's awesome. awesome. There'll be another podcast. Okay. Another, another elk <laughs> podcast. You say el- moose the story Oregon on an moose. elk story? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't know if those <laughs> unacceptable, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to add here? I think we're kind of wrapping up a lot of the the content here. Yeah, I did just kind of want to piggyback on the mentor thing. I mean, I think that's really important. Just having mm-hmm. somebody to take you out, show you the ropes, um, especially if you're new to muscle loading. You yeah, know, it can be again daunting, and no matter how much YouTube research you can do, and um, and our advice obviously um, is great, but having someone to actually take you out there and show you the ropes is yeah. Is, invaluable yeah, yeah for sure there's no substitute for it yep um yeah so honestly if you guys have any questions about any of the stuff we've talked about today uh then feel free to give us a call like that's what we're here for that's what we're trying to produce all this content for is because we want you to be successful like it's our goal for you guys to be successful in an ethical way and have the highest percent chance of success in this muzzleloader season coming up and uh you know, it's never too early to start planning for next season, even if this season isn't over yet. Right. <laughs> so definitely keep that in mind too. Uh, so if you like this content, you know, give us a like, drop a comment down there and uh, hit the subscribe button and click the bell to receive notifications whenever we post. And if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, leave us a review. We, uh, it really helps out the podcast and uh, it helps get our content and this information in the hands of more people so that they can have that resource. So, um, Yeah, if you guys have questions, give Caleb a call, and we will see you guys on the next podcast. 